My radio station, your radio station, our radio station, the voice of the Cape. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. This is VOC 91.3. Welcome to Questions and Answer Forum with uh, myself, Khawa Sanaman. And of course, answering your questions is Sheikh Ibrahim Wuz. Sheikh is the resident imam at the Yusufiyah Masjid. Alhamdulillah. And Sheikh um, has given off his time uh, to do this series. I, I can't recall, you know, how long it's been, but it's been quite successful with all your questions. Do note, this is something that we do reiterate as well. Um, you know, going back to starting your education, your Islamic knowledge from home and uh, if you do not know a certain question it is always advisable to go and seek um, advice at your local Imam or Sheikh and that is sometimes the first port of call um, instead of coming to ask the question but we are here Alhamdulillah Sheikh is here to answer your questions so please do send them on 47913 Assalamu alaikum to you Sheikh Wa alaikum salam wa wa how are you today? Very well Alhamdulillah Sheikh um, uh, time. All I can say is that time is re- really flying. Before we wipe our eyes out again, we take we breaking for 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 Ramadan. Ramadan. Yes, yeah, so we got uh, about a month left, I think. Just over a month. Just over a month. Alhamdulillah. Mm. So let's make the most of our time in this beautiful month as well, um, preparing for Ramadan. Inshallah. Amen. So let's get straight to the question, Sheikh. Assalamu alaikum. First one we have for today is: uh, um, Is it haram? To still breastfeed a three-year-old, I heard it's haram, and I stopped it immediately, Sheikh. So, uh, yeah, please advise. Yeah, Bismillah, Rahman, Rahim, Alhamdulillah, Salatu wa Salam, Ala Rasulillahi wa Ala Alihi wa Sahbihi wa Barik wa Sallim. Of course, uh, uh, the, many people think that it is haram to breastfeed more than two 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 years, because there is a verse in the Quran that sort of uh, alludes to this, um, where Allah Taala says, "Walwalidatu yurdi'na auladahunna haulain kamilain." That the mothers should breastfeed for two years, mm. right? Now people think that this is literal. You know, it has to be only for two years and nothing more than that. The reality of the matter is that it is—it's not haram to breastfeed the child for more than two years. Okay, and we find that uh, in the tafsir of this ayah, many scholars have indicated this, um, such as the great Imam Al Qurtubi. He has mentioned in his tafsir. Where he says the following: والزيادة على الحولين أو النقصان إنما يكون عند عدم الإضرار بالمولود وعند رضا الوالدين. He says to increase above the two years of breastfeeding, or to keep it less than two years, right? All of this is dependent on the fact that it must not be harmful for the child. It's all to do with the interests of the child. Okay. And the second thing is that he mentions it must be done in such a way that both parents are satisfied with the condition, mm. are happy with the condition. Now, the two years, uh, why is the two years important? The two years is actually a measurement for a whole lot of other rulings and a whole lot of other things that will be affected within that two years. Mm. i give you an example. Um we know the whole issue of breastfeeding, for example, breastfeeding a, a strange child, a stranger, right? Not mm. your own child. Now, we know in Islam that when a woman breastfeeds a strange child to herself, if it's five full feedings that she had given that child, then that child will almost become as if it is her own child. Mm. In other words, that child can't get married to her or to any of her children, etc., uh, etc. Et so that is a, a relationship which is established, you know, in the Quran, etc. Now, uh, the scholars point out to us that this uh, relationship of a foster child being breastfed fed by this woman can only take place if he was fed while he was under two years old. You see, this is where the two years come in. Hmm. So it will only have that effect if the child was less than two years old 
and this this woman breastfed him for more than five times full feedings five full feedings let's say it, it was a child that was already above the age of two okay and so now a strange woman breastfeeds him that will not create a relationship of um, you know this woman becoming the mother of this child mm. that has to be done uh, uh, you know before the child becomes two, two, two years old okay so that is why the two years are there okay there's another issue and that is for example sometimes a a, a, a mother is not um, able to breastfeed okay so so who must now let's say and this used to happen in the, in those times um, whereby the mother is not able to breastfeed but they would get a woman to breastfeed that child yes okay and even the prophet sallallahu oh, alaihi as you know i mean he himself was breastfed by halima to saadiya mm. was not his own mother because that was the custom and the norm of those people so this ayah is also prescriptive as far as that is concerned mm. because what it means now is the father he is obviously responsible in paying the wage of that woman who's going to breastfeed the child so now what is the period that that that, that the sharia allows for this for him to pay where he's mm. going to be compelled to pay the wage now here comes the two years it is up until two years okay. right over and above that it is not any more necessary for him to pay that wage mm. and the reason for that is that a child after the age of two can certainly eat other things can certainly live on other things mm. they are not dependent on the milk they're not going to uh, they will be able to survive even without the breast milk okay, okay. and so that is where the two years come from it is all to sort of uh, um, give a, a, a to give a limit to these kinds of rulings which we have just mentioned now. Mm. But as for a woman who wants to breastfeed the child, of, of course, medically, this is the other thing I just want to mention. Interestingly, mm. medically, they will also tell you that up until two years, you know, the child most likely will really benefit from the nutrients of the milk, etc., etc. Yes. But above that, there is very little that the child will now be able to benefit simply because he's on a different diet. They go on to eating a bit more solids, etc. So the benefit of that milk becomes less after the age of two. Hmm. Okay, so that's from a medical point of view. Okay. But just the question again, the, the very question that's asked, was it haram for this woman to breastfeed a child above the age of two? The answer is no, it wasn't haram. It wasn't an act of haram that she was doing. Uh, all of this is dependent on the child's well-being. Mm. If, it, if, it, if it was maybe b better for her to do that and the child was going to be better in that condition, then so be it. You know. And this we find, I can give lots of other quotations. I mean, one of the great scholars, uh, Professor Wahaba Suhaili, who is one of the leading fiqh scholars in the world today. You know, his books are well uh, used in all the universities and institutes. Okay, And... Um, he says, for example, I'm just going to give this last, last quotation. فَإِنِ اسْتَمَرَّ الرَّضَاعُ بَعْدَ الْحَوْلَيْنِ لِضَعْفِ الطِّفْلِ فَلَا مَانِعَ مِنْهُ لِلْحَاجَةِ He says, if the breastfeeding should continue even after the two years because of the weakness of the child, he says, there's no problem in that. It doesn't clash with the ayah. Because hmm. the ayah wasn't meant for that purpose. The ayah was meant for the other rulings which I've just spoken about. All right. So he says there's no problem as far as that is concerned. And this is what the scholars have said on this particular uh, topic. Very interesting answer, Sheikh. <laughs> well, let's move on. Assalamu alaikum and shukran for the program. Just want to know if a Muslim male wants to marry a non-Muslim female, is this allowed by Sharia? Yeah, of course, we have to uh, qualify, uh, you know, non-Muslim female. Uh, that's not an open uh, ruling. I mean, it's not any kind of non-Muslim female, but it's strictly Muslim, uh, non-Muslim female that is of, obviously of the people of the book.
Yes. And the people of the book would be a be Yahud and Nasara, you mm-hmm. know, either Jewish or Christian. And this has been allowed in the Quran in Surah Al Ma'idah, chapter 5, verse number 5. وَالْمُحْصَنَاتُ مِنَ الَّذِينَ أُوتُوا الْكِتَابَ حِلُّ لَكُمْ Those women that are chaste, that are pure, you know, and they are from the from amongst the people of the book, Allah says they are halal for you. Having said that, of course, there's also circumstances that have to be taken into consideration. We find, for example, that in the time of Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab, while he was the Khalifa, he sort of limited this ruling and he prevented men from getting, Muslim men, from getting married to uh, Jewish or Christian women. Hmm. And the reason for that was people were doing it too frequently, which meant that Muslim women themselves were, were suffering. Muslim okay. women were not being married, you know. They were, <coughs> excuse me, they were left without husbands. Yeah. So he stopped it. Now, uh, this is something we have to consider also. It's not, although the ruling is in the Quran, we have to look at the circumstances. We have to look at the need, you know. Mm. What about our own Muslim sisters, etc. I know in our country, for example, there's another issue. <coughs> Sorry. There's another issue that needs to obviously be highlighted here, and that is the children, if any children, should come from that relationship. Is the child going to be always a Muslim? Is the child always going to be with a Muslim parent? Or is the government, for example, decides that, no, the child must go with the mother regardless of the religion? Mm. So that's another thing, because if the child is going to go with a mother, who's a Jew or a Christian, which means that child automatically will also grow up as a non-Muslim. Mm. So those things in our context must also be taken into consideration. Okay. So whilst the, the ruling of the Qur'an is sort of uh, open to say that it is halal, but we must remember the Qur'an was revealed in a condition where Islam prevailed, hmm. where Islamic law was practiced, where the children's rights as Muslims would be protected at all times. So those are the kinds of things which obviously have to be taken into consideration before one embarks on something like this. So I know our own local ulama here in South Africa, Cape Town and so on, they don't encourage you know, obviously this kind of thing because there's lots of circumstances to be, to be looked at. And I personally had a discussion with one of the great scholars of Saudi Arabia many years back. And I asked him this question. Mm. And he also gave a very similar answer. He said, look, if it is in a country where you cannot guarantee that the children will always be Muslim or they will grow up in a Muslim home, then it's best not to do that. Mm. Best not to follow that particular ruling of saying that it is permissible to marry women from a Jewish or Christian background. Okay, so so that is obviously a question that needs to be addressed in that way. So um, you know we have to look at the circumstances, at the context uh, of the situation at hand. Shukran, Sheikh. Um, the next one is a, is an interesting one. I don't think it's it's complete, but it's it, it's as follows. Assalamualaikum. Please ask the Sheikh what is the history of a fruit name, namely Hanat apple. So I don't know if this is um, referring to nicknames. No, or, pomegranate. I okay. think <laughs> pomegranate. Right. Of course, I I wouldn't know. I mean, if there's any specific history about it, etc. Yeah. I, I don't have too too much information on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only thing I can say is that the pomegranate is mentioned in the Quran. Okay. It's a fruit that is called Rumman. The Arabic word is Rumman. Hmm. And Allah mentions it in Surah Ar-Rahman. You know, Ar-Rahman, Allam Al-Quran, uh, chapter 55 of the Quran. Beautiful chapter that speaks about mostly Jannah and the, the bliss of Jannah and all the pleasures in Jannah, etc. And Allah Ta'ala says, فِيهَا فَاكِهَةٌ وَنَخْلٌ ورمان, That there will be fruits in Jannah, there will be uh, dates, you know, palm trees, and there will also obviously be this pomegranate. So obviously it's a fruit of the Jannah, if you like. Mm. Um, so, so in terms of that, we know that it must have some significance. It mm. must be, so, you know, it must be healthy. It must be, and and they say medically now it it has so many um, properties. It can help for so many things. 
Okay, um, so that is as far as I can comment on this. I've uh, I've heard though, Sheikh, um, as oh. well mentioned that uh, pomegranates, the seeds of the pomegranates, one of the seeds have um, the water of Jannah in it. Yeah, I was going to come to that. Uh, oh, in fact, oh, I, I was going to mention that that there are ahadith like this, which okay. are alleged ahadith, but they yes. are not correct. They are not All right. authentic. Okay. Uh, it hasn't been authenticated uh, to say that uh, you know that Sayyidina Ali. They also relate that Sayyidina Ali would always like when he opens a pomegranate. Would mm. eat each and every seed because he's going to eat one of the seeds of Jannah. Mm. Uh, no, those ahadith have not been established. In okay. fact, the scholars have mentioned that they are extremely weak, and some of them would even go so far to say that they are outright forgeries. You know, there is no hadith that speaks about the greatness of the pomegranate in that way. But we can vouch for it that it is a fruit of Jannah, so it must mean something. And medically, obviously, support them. Medical science supports that as well. And so uh, that is as far as we would obviously go to, to comment on this fruit. But in terms of a further history about it, uh, Allah knows best. Maybe we can do a bit more extensive research if we have the time, inshallah. Inshallah. I know that scientists definitely have also found lots of value in that, when, mm. whereas it's been spoken about. 1400 years ago already. Yeah. All right, the next one is Assalamu alaikum. I've been uh, more than eight times to a judiciary body. All of them say my husband is a problem, and um, yet they don't give me a fasakh. My love, life is so miserable. Sheikh, please advise. Yeah, with regards to uh, a fasakh, obviously, um, there has to be grounds for a fasakh. Now, whilst you're saying that you went so many times to this body and they say the husband is the problem, um, do they mean the husband is the problem in terms of there is enough grounds for a fasakh? Or do they just mean he's a problem, he needs to sort out his problem? Because not all problems justify a fasakh. Hmm. You know, let's say he's a person who's uh, needs counseling, yeah. Sorry, who needs counseling? Yes, yes. Let's say he's, uh, for example, a person that uh, his problem is that uh, he speaks very ugly, you know, in the house. You know, he speaks very ugly. Now that is not. Uh, you can't say that is enough grounds all of a sudden for a fasakh. But he needs counseling for that. He needs help for that. Okay. So if this is what they mean that this is uh, the husband has got the problem and that, then obviously that must be addressed. That must be sorted out. But if there are grounds for fasakh which you think is ground strong enough, let's say he abuses or let's say there's no nafaka or let's say he, he does things which goes contrary to the marriage, etc. Et in a very serious way and there is strong grounds for a fasakh, then in such a case obviously a fasakh should be granted after investigation and after both parties have been interviewed mm. and have been looked at and so on, counseling has been given. If finally the judiciary decides that no, this is a case of fasakh because the husband has overstepped his boundaries in many Anyways, then they should they should give the fasakh. And if you, like I said before, in many other shows, if you don't get your joy there, you to the one body, try another one. You mm. know, because uh, instead of your life being miserable the way that you say it is, yes, you know, try another body and explain to them. I mean, you've been so many times at this body, and they say that the husband is uh, doing things that justifies a fasakh and present your case and maybe that body will liaise with the other body and hear what the issue is uh, but yes obviously Islam we must remember Islam is a deen that uh, don't allow uh, anybody to be harmed you know unnecessarily mm. the hadith is very clear la darar wa la dirar Islam does not allow anybody to be harmed and injured and if this is a case where a woman is being harmed like this you know she knows that the husband is doing things that is contrary to nikah contrary to marriage and she is entitled for a fasakh so why prolong the agony for her, you know? Why prolong the situation for her? Of course, the judiciary, sometimes they may have reason if they believe that there are other circumstances that is affecting the whole thing. Maybe the, the woman also has got a history or whatever. So there may be things like that that they take into consideration. But what I'm saying is, 
Um, you, but the fact that this question is saying that they, uh, the, the, the judiciary has established that the husband has a problem. Mm. My question is, is it a problem that is strong enough to justify a fasakh? Fasakh, yes. And if it is, then you should proceed and go to another judiciary. Mm. If it is not something that justifies a fasakh, then you should try to sort out the problem then. If he's maybe speaking ugly or he's not treating the kids well, whatever mm. the case may be, then you need counseling, you need nasiha, you need some imam to sit with you and to teach you the value of these things. Shukran, Sheikh. Assalamu alaikum. Um, it's said that what goes around comes around um, in the context of child being disrespectful. What if you were a good child to your parents, but today you have a child and he or she does all the wrong things? Is Allah testing us with through our children, Sheikh? Yeah, no, certainly. I mean, when we say what goes around comes around, we, we obviously mean generally speaking, mm. but there are exceptions to, to that also. Um, uh, yes, Allah Ta'ala does test us. In fact, in the Quran, there's verses where Allah Ta'ala clearly states mm. in Surah Al-Taghabun, for example, Allah says, إِنَّمَا أَمْوَالُكُمْ وَأَوْلَادُكُمْ فِتْنَةٌ وَاللَّهُ عِنْدَهُ أَجْرٌ عَظِيمٌ I think there's no verse that is clearer than this one, you know. And it's chapter 64 of the Quran, verse number 14 and 15, where Allah Ta'ala says, إِنَّمَا أَمْوَالُكُمْ وَأَوْلَادُكُمْ فِتْنَةٌ Certainly your wealth and your children will become a trial for you. So yes, Allah Ta'ala is going to test us in various ways. So you may have been a very good child to your parent, you may have done everything you could, you may have uh, obeyed them, etc. But Allah may still test you with your child. Mm. To s- and remember, a test is sometimes there to strengthen you, you know, to give you more wisdom, to give you more insight. And that is why we find that even one of the Prophets, mm. alayhi salam, and that is Nabi Nuh, I think we're all familiar with the story where his own son rebelled, you know, his, his son did not want to follow his advice. Mm. And he still pleaded with Allah Ta'ala right at the end when the son was about to drown, you know. He pleaded to Allah and says to Allah, Rabbi innabani min ahli wa inna wa'adakal haqq. You know, this is my son, you know, he's of my family and your promise is the truth. But Allah Ta'ala responded in the following verse by saying to him, Qala ya Nuhu innahu laysa min ahlik. Oh Nuh, he is not of your family. Meaning he chose not to be part of you. Although biologically he may be your son, but he chose not to be on your side. He chose not to follow the truth. So Allah destroyed him. So the point being here is that this was a prophet. This was a Nabi. But Allah tested him like that. Mm. So it is quite possible that we will be tested. And the, 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 the best thing is we must try our best to educate our children, to teach them well, and, and, and to steer them in the right direction, to guide them, you know, give them good Islamic background, good educational background, teach them respect, you know, teach them uh, honesty, teach them to be honorable human beings. Mm. I think that's the best you can give to a child. In fact, there's a hadith like that where the Prophet wasallam says the best gift that you can give to a child is to teach him good adab, you know, mm-hmm. good behavior, good demeanor, you know. Uh, that's better than buying him the Playstations and all the expensive clothing and all the expensive toys. Much better than that. Teach them, you know, good character. Teach them about our Prophet wasallam's character. Teach them about our Quran. Teach them about the beauty of Islam. And I think once you do all of that, you may still get tested. Even after all of that, you may mm. still get tested. But remember, there's a hadith that says that, you know, uh, mm. If Allah Ta'ala loves the people, He will test them. Mm. <laughs> you know, sometimes Allah Ta'ala tests you because He wants you to be closer to Him. Because He knows through that test you are going to make so much more dua. You're going to be so much more humble. Mm. You're going to be so much showing your need to Allah. So that is a way in which Allah Ta'ala actually draws you to Him by testing you. That's why the Anbiya, many of the Prophets, they went through many, many, many tests and yet they were the closest 
servants to their creator Allah tabarak wa ta'ala Shukran, Sheikh, and unfortunately that's where we end um, this segment of the show. Our first part um, is done and dusted. We'll come back with uh, more of your questions after the short break, so stay with us. Live from Cape Town, this is the Voice of the Cape. The Voice of the Cape. Assalamualaikum warahmatullah. Welcome back. Questions and answers with Sheikh Ibrahim Wa. So we'll get straight into the next one. Assalamualaikum, Sheikh. What does a person do if her husband... Um, does not want to give the wife her dowry that was agreed on. They are now divorced. The ex-wife confronts him because she is concerned about his jannah. And then he says it's all about the money. Shukran, Sheikh. Yeah, it's of course, I mean, that's an easy way out of not uh, you know, uh, yeah. living up to your responsibility to mm-hmm. say it's all about money. Mm-hmm. That's obviously going to be the case uh, because you want to get out of it. And yes, it's not all about money. It's a haq, you know, it's a right that is owned uh, and owed to this wife of yours. So, of course, uh, she's got all the right to demand that, etc., etc., right? Uh, it's not something that can ever fall away. It is not something that he can wish away. Um, the sharia goes so far that even if some, 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 something should happen to him and he passes on, then that dowry will be taken as a debt before even the estate is given to the heirs. Sure. You know, the dowry will be taken out as any other debt. And be paid to that ex-wife hmm. um, So what we're saying here is The advice we give to this husband is To please you know, try your best to pay up this money hmm. It is something owed to her And she will be able to Argue against you on the day of Qiyamah Just like if somebody were to owe you Money in this world It's exactly the same hmm. It's not something that you can just wish away As for the woman herself right? Um, if she is like really concerned about his Jannah And she doesn't want ba- bad things for him You know uh, well, she could, if she really, she could say, well, you don't have to pay it mm. anymore. I, I, I sort of uh, scrap. Write it off. Write it off. Mm. She's got the liberty to do that if she wanted to. Okay. Um, and of course, yeah, th- that may be easy. It may not be easy. She may need the money. She mm. may be in a state where she's now divorced and nobody's looking after her. And so, so, so it's not a fact of just being money and stuff. It's maybe, it may be a real need for her to have that particular money with her. Mm. But yes, if she really is concerned that, look, he's not going to pay it anyway. Let's say she knows his, his character is as such. No matter what she does, mm. he is not going to pay it. So she can obviously then one of two things. Leave it at that and let Allah judge on the day of Qiyamah. And in that case, he's going to be in a very bad position. Right? Or just write it off, you know, and Allah will replace it with better for you. Especially since she's made mention of the Jannah. Jannah, etc. Et yeah. So if you really want that for him, and you know he's not going to pay it up, forgive him, you know. Because to forgive and to forget and to overlook, Allah replaces you in always with better. You know, because Allah is looking at your good character, at your good gesture. Hmm. And Allah Ta'ala is always, you know, the Quran says, هَلْ جَزَاءُ الْإِحْسَانِ إِلَّا الْإِحْسَانِ Can the reward for something good be anything other than good? Hmm. So that's an act of goodness. The reward can only be good. The outcome can only be positive. So those are the things. So from, from to the husband, I would encourage him to pay it. If he's able to. And from the wife's side, I will encourage her to forgive him. <laughs> if she really knows he can't pay it or he doesn't want to pay it and she's worried what's going to happen, then forgive him, overlook it, don't worry about it, write it off, and Allah will give you much better in this world and in the year after, yeah. inshallah. Amen, amen. Sheikh, the next question is Assalamu alaikum, shukran for a wonderful program. Um, when asking your husband if he loves you, he never wants to answer. Salams, shukran. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I think this, this is. is a, uh, <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah, it's a deeper, it's, it's a deeper answer <laughs> than Islamic 
I yeah, think. it's of course something I think many husbands struggle with. I mean, to be quite frankly, okay. uh, although I'm not condoning it, but I mean, husbands they often uh, they struggle to express themselves mm. emotionally, etc. You know, although we we should try to express ourselves, especially when it comes to love. You know, loving your wife or loving someone, mm. it is quite amazing. I mean, I I I'm always amazed at our Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, how how a deep emotional human being he was. You know. Mm-hmm. And how expressive he was, and how he taught us also to do that, man. Because for you to live as a human being, you should at all times, uh, you know, try to tap into the emotions of others as well, make others feel good, you know, make others feel wanted and needed, make others feel appreciated, mm-hmm. etc. And I can quote a number of hadith as far as this is concerned, and that is that, uh, you know, the Nabi Ali Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says in one hadith, "Ida ahabba rajulu akhahu, falyukhbirhu annahu yuhibbu." If a person loves his Muslim brother, then he should inform him that he loves him. Hmm. Tell him that he, that, you know, it, it's beautiful. If some, you know, how somebody feels, man. Hmm. If if you tell him, you know, I love you for the sake of Allah. You are such a good man. You know, a good friend to me, and you're always supportive of me. I really love you for the sake of Allah. Hmm. That is the Nabi is encouraging that, and just to to to, to show to you that the Nabi Sallallahu wasn't somebody that would just like. Uh, talk about these things and instruct it. Mm. But he would do it himself. And I'll give you an example that he spoke to Mu'adh one day. And I love quoting this hadith because it's, it's for me, uh, it shows just the character of our Prophet man. Yes. So he says to Mu'adh one day, and he takes him by the hand. And this already shows affection. You know, he takes him by the hand. Mm. And he says, Ya Mu'adh, Wallahi inni la uhibbuk. He says, I swear by Allah that I love you, O Mu'adh. And imagine, imagine this prophet of ours, you know, being the best of Allah's creation, being the one that is so close to Allah, this pious human being, you know. Mm. He says to Mu'adh, and he takes him by the hand, and he swears by Allah an oath. He says, Wallahi, I swear by Allah, inni la uhibbuk. And then he says to him, Wa usika ya Mu'adh. And since I love you so much, I want to give you the following advice. And this is what we do when we love people, you know. We mm. look out for them. We want to give them things that we love for ourselves. So he says to Mu'adh, لا تدعن في دبر كل صلاة أن تقول اللهم أعني على ذكرك وشكرك وحسن عبادتك. Never ever try to leave off after the end of each salah to make the following dua. And this dua is اللهم أعني أو الله assist me على ذكرك to remember you وشكرك and to show gratitude to you وحسن عبادتك and assist me to do my ibadah and my worship to you in the best manner. Hmm. Beautiful dua that the Prophet is teaching Mu'az yeah. ibn Jabal. Of course, the point of quoting this hadith is to show that the Nabi wasallam before he gave him the advice, he actually said to him, I love you for the sake hmm. of Allah. Um, uh, now, there's many other ahadith. So, obviously, the question now, what about husband and wife relationship? Hmm. If this is just a normal brother of yours in the community, that you're supposed to say that you love him, you know, what about your own wife? That's your partner in life. That is the one that is so close to you. That is the mother of your children, for example. She's the one that you share the most intimate of secrets with and the most intimate of things with, you know. So we should, uh, although I, I do see it that husbands, it's not easy for them, but they should overcome mm-hmm. that. From an Islamic point of view, they should try to overcome and follow the sunnah of Rasulullah wasallam to actually express ourselves when it comes to love and emotion. Because this have a profound effect on the other person as well. Mm-hmm. That person automatically feel needed and appreciated, and they feel that they are, you know, um, uh, very well um, connected within this relationship, mm. and that is something I think that is really, really uh, needed in these 
difficult times, you know, we're living mm. in times that we're living so past each other. Mm. We are so busy with dunya, we are so busy working, we have to look after the kids, you know, we have to pay school fees. And all that we are thinking of is how to survive, you know. And sometimes these smaller things that we miss out on in life, mm. man, to share these emotions with our, and even kids, I mean, uh, for that matter. Um, you know, it is prophetic, it is prophetic to show love to a child. Mm should never feel shy to show your life, love to the child. I mean, you get some fathers like that to parents, you know. They don't want to kiss the child in public or mm. don't hug me or, you know, this kind of thing. No, it's wrong. The Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam used to hug his children, used to kiss them, you know, used mm. to hug them. To show love, man, because the fact is that child will grow up like that. The child will grow up with love in his heart, mm. you know, with compassion, with deep feeling and emotion. So yes, inshallah, I hope the husband has listened to me at least tonight, you know, that if the wife is telling you, you know, that she loves you, see, please say to him that you love her back and express your love to her mm. and don't wait her for her to ask you, you know, you, you say to her that you love her. Mm. And do it as much as you can. And yes, maybe if you don't want to do it verbally, send the SMS as a start, you know, or email. <laughs> and then later on, you'll develop the verbal part of Inshallah. it as well. You but, know, yeah. but, but, but make her feel wanted, make her feel needed and appreciate it. Inshallah. inshallah. All the best to that couple, inshallah. Uh, shukran for that advice. And with that, let's take a short break and more of your questions answered after this. My radio station, your radio station, our radio station, 91.3 FM and 95.8 FM stereo. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome to the last a segment, shortened version, unfortunately, of questions and answers. So we do apologize again if we haven't gotten to your question um, as you've sent it probably weeks in advance already. But Jazakallah Khair, a big thank you for your patience as we get through the other questions that is backlogged. Please do continue sending your SMSs on 47913 and Sheikh Ibrahim was, will still give it the same um, uh, the, the same uh, answered in the same manner, the way he does all the other questions, inshallah. So Sheikh, um, the next question we have is, Salam, uh, interesting one. Is, is dancing allowed as an exercise in the privacy of your home? Yes, certainly. I mean, there's nothing that would prevent you from, from dancing in your own home, uh, especially in a form of exercise as well, because it's just a movement of the body. It's uh, doing some certain things. There's nothing in the Sharia, as far as I know, that will prevent this. Uh, in fact, there's this hadith which shows that the Prophet allowed Excellent. the dancing of the Abyssinians. You know, when they were dancing, and in fact, it was in the mosque of Rasulullah and say that Aisha came and they were looking and marveling at this beautiful cultural thing that the um, Abyssinians were doing. And so, this shows that uh, if it is that they are doing that and it's not vulgar and it's not things that is obviously uh, going to be um, affecting one's uh, behavior, then it's fine, especially like this, it's in the privacy of your home. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm. Okay. Um, and there's actually evidence of this in the, in, in the words of our scholars. Okay. Um, I found, you know, explicit uh, words like this where one of our great scholars in the Shafi'i Madhab, uh, Khatib al-Sharbini, he says in Muhni al-Muhtaj, a great work in, in Shafi'i Fiqh, he says that uh, he speaks about various things that is not haram. And then he says, amongst others, wala raqs, and not dancing. It's not haram. فَلَا يَحْرُمْ لِأَنَّهُ مُجَرَّدْ حَرَكَاتِ Because it's, it's only movements that you are making. You know. عَلَى اسْتِقَامَةِ أَوِعْ وِجَاجِ وَلَا يُكْرَهِ It is not even makruh, he says. 
Because it is just movements that you are making. There's nothing wrong in making certain movements, you know. But it is mubah. It is certainly allowed. And he actually quotes this hadith, which I just mm-hmm. mentioned now. Okay. That the Prophet ﷺ looked at the Abyssinians dancing, uh, their cultural dance, etc. Um, so as long as it is done in such a way, and if it's in private, obviously it's fine. But if it's in public, there must not be any vulgarity, of course. It mustn't obviously show any, uh, you know, things that clashes with Islam and stuff like that. And unfortunately, we find many of the, 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 like the dancing on the music videos, for example, that are, that are produced. Most of them, obviously, are not acceptable in Islamic terms, because of the uh, sometimes sexual connotations uh, around it, etc., or uh, inappropriateness of some of the movements and stuff like that. And I'm talking about in a modern context. That obviously would be problematic, but you're doing something like I, I know this question is perhaps referring to those uh, videos um, which these people have made. You know that you do certain movements with the exercise, with the, with the aim of exercise. There, there should be nothing wrong with that, inshallah. As far as I'm concerned, it should be okay. And I, I've quoted to you what uh, one of our scholars of Islam had said hmm. about this. Okay, shukran, Sheikh. All right, so the next question, I think, is, is something that we have dealt with before, um, but it's just uh, come up again, so Sheikh just couldn't give some commentary on it. Uh, my husband stays um, at his mom, and I'm at my mom with, with the children. He comes and goes as he pleases. He stays away for weeks, and if he doesn't have a lift, he doesn't come. He's not working away um he is just 20 minutes away in fact but it is still difficult for him to come now when he does come he expects something from me and we and then he leaves again we are not divorced but i feel i don't have a husband and the children say they don't have a father yeah just some commentary so yeah I, yeah of course yeah this question did come before yeah. um but uh, yeah it's it's a uh, it's good to repeat uh, the advice as well yeah. Uh, because it is quite a serious thing mm. when a family has broken down to this level. Mm. And here um, I, I would advise, you know, that you as quickly as possible get uh, somehow some someone to come and actually speak to your husband together with yourself and your husband to, to, to you know, indicate that this type of lifestyle could, could, could never be conducive, mm. could never be good for a marriage. You know, you can't be living apart from you, not fulfilling duties towards kids and so on and yourself um, and all those things. So I, I would advise, like I did before, Four, get someone that is trustworthy, that you have confidence in both you and he, and, and get him to come and speak to you and advise you appropriately in, in the situation. And I mean, we can't, this is not a marriage really. Yeah, it just sounds like an inconvenience. Like, I mean, yeah. yeah, he's on one side, you on one side. You mm. settled with the kids. You must look after them. You must do everything. And he doesn't even pop in and he's so near and all that. I think this is totally unethical. Mm. You know? <coughs> so I think uh, you should ASAP get someone to come around. Inshallah, we uh, pray for you and we make dua that Allah makes Amen. it easy for you and your family. And at least you are able to come to some conclusion mm. in your life as far as this uh, obstacle in your life is concerned. Inshallah, all the best to that family. And then Sheikh, quickly, if Sheikh can give some comments on SMSs we've received. And that is with regards to Sheikh's, um, Sheikh's program Sheikh has at, uh, uh, at the mosque, alhamdulillah. Just wanting to know, shukran for the wonderful program. Would like to know if Sheikh has salah classes, um, if so, when, when. And another one uh, is if Sheikh's Wednesday fit class is available on paper or audio. Shukran for sharing the knowledge. 
So we'll end over that quickly. We've just got a minute or so. Yeah, left. with regards to Salah classes, uh, unfortunately at the moment I don't have Salah classes. Yeah. Uh, but I have done in the past, you know, classes on Salah. Um, if if anybody wants, I, I can make available maybe some things that we've done in the past as mm. far as that is concerned. And the current classes that we are running at the mosque is, uh, you know, on a Wednesday night. But uh, it's uh, also not fit per se, um, although it is, there is a part of it that we discuss zakah at the moment, okay. chapter on zakah. And then we also do some tafsir of the Qur'an. So that is on a Wednesday. And yes, there, there is some people in class that sort of uh, capture the the lectures mm. uh, that make recordings and stuff. And so I'm sure they can be approached to sort of make it uh, available okay. for whoever wants it. Uh, yeah, that is that is as far as the classes goes. Uh, but thank you so much, Sheikh. And unfortunately, that's where we have to end. Jazakallah khair for Sheikh's time. All the best um, uh, for Sheikh's uh, travels back home. And salams to the family as well, inshallah.